Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 202, Finance Friday episode, where we interview Anthony and talk about getting started on the road to financial independence. Um, I don't see myself retiring like probably before 30. I think what I would really want to do is just not really struggle with money as I start getting into like bigger debts, like, you know, $18,000 of school or, or moving out and stuff like that. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and with me, as always, is my North Star co-host, Scott Trench. You're always charting out a new great intro for us, Mindy. Thank you. (laughs) Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story, including those that are at the beginning of their financial independence journey, to show you that financial independence is available for everybody, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or simply just graduate college in the best starting financial position that you can, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Scott, I'm super excited to talk to Anthony today because he is a young gun living at home with his parents who is just starting out on the road to financial independence, but he's asking all the right questions. And I'm so excited for what his journey entails. And I really think that he is going to crush life. I was really impressed with with Anthony and the questions he's asking um, at this stage in life and those types of things. He's already, you know, very independent, uh, more independent in terms of a lot of his spending and stuff than I was at 21. And I think really trying to think about these questions at this point while he's got complete command over his finances. I was just really impressed. And I think he's going to be in a really good spot in a couple of years. He really is. And as you're listening to this episode today, think about if this is a good episode for your children to listen to with you. Um, You don't just learn this stuff in high school, unfortunately. So we need to teach our children these lessons. And Anthony's asking a lot of right questions. I'm excited for where he's going. And we're going to check in with him again in a year to see what he has accomplished, all the things. I bet it's going to be a huge list. Before we bring in Anthony, my attorney makes me say the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Okay, Scott, let's go give him some financial decisions to contemplate. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. 
Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Take control of your investments and secure a stable 8% annual return today. Visit pinefinancialgroup.com biggerpockets to learn more about the fund. That's pinefinancialgroup.com biggerpockets. Today's guest is Anthony. He is just starting out on his journey to financial independence. He's 21 years old. He still lives at home with his parents while he's going to school. And his current investment grand total is $500. Why so low? Because he's not sure what he should be doing. They don't teach us stuff in high school, remember? Anthony used to have a spending problem, but has reined that in, which is also a very huge step towards fixing his finances and getting him on the path to financial independence. Anthony, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm so excited to dive into your numbers. Thank you, guys. I'm really excited to get advice from you guys, too. Okay, step number one, what part of the world do you live in so we can see if you're in a high cost of living or low cost of living area? Um, I live in Salt Lake City, so it's pretty okay, so that's, costly. Yeah, that's like medium high because prices have gone through the roof right now. And let's look at your, Scott, what am I calling this? An income sheet? P&L, profit and loss or income statement, synonyms. Let's look at your income statement, your, your income and expenses. Do you have a job? Uh, yeah, so I'm working full-time right now. And what are you doing? It's just a warehouse job, but it pays pretty good, like more than you know any other job that I could get right now. 
Okay. That's a great job to have. I think there's this, um, when I was in school, there was this push to go to college and, you know, get a white collar job and you can make a lot of money in the trades. You can make a lot of money in like a warehouse job. It's a physical job. I bet you're sore at the end of the day, but it's a good paying job. Do you have any additional income besides this warehouse job? So I do Uber occasionally, but it's nothing like really big. It's only like for a couple hours. So I'll get like maybe $40 a week. And it's not something that I would even do weekly, just whenever I want or have time, you know? Okay. So what is your take-home pay on a monthly basis? So take-home, I make around $19.50, so almost $2,000. Okay. And let's look at your expenses, Scott, or debts next. Let's go to expenses here. So how much how much of that are you able to keep each month historically? And what do you think? It's it sounds like um you're you're trying to get a rein in on that spending. How much do you think you should be saving each month? So I've heard the 10% that you're supposed to save like around 10 to 15 and like 20 is really good. Right now, my debts are well not debts, but like my expenses are around half of what I make. So about 800 and so the rest that's kind of what I don't know what to do with. I have like $800 a month that I'm just like, that's a lot of money. Um, and I don't know what to do with $800. So what's going on with the, the 800? Yeah, we'll, we'll tell you what, we'll, we'll help you deal with the problem of too much cash. That That's no, that's no challenge for us uh, here, but what, what's the uh, 800 to a thousand being spent on? Okay. So do you guys want me to like break it down? Yeah. Let's walk yeah. through it real quick. Okay. So for school, that's like, it varies depending on how many classes I'm taking. Right now in the summer, it went up because it's a shorter term. So they're squeezing in the payments in two, three months. So my school payment right now is 200 On gas, I spend $60. On car insurance, I spend 100 I have a gym pass that's 20 My phone is 40 Like the phone itself. And then my phone bill is 85 And then I have a bunch of like little cloud services. Um, so Google Cloud, iCloud. So that's like $6 total. I don't really have too many subscriptions, just one, Spotify, and I have the student discount, so it's only $5. On my dog, I spend $40, uh, around $40 for just food. I don't really budget her other like shots and stuff because that doesn't come on a monthly basis, so I just deal with it when it gets there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have, I pay for therapy too, which is the most expensive thing on here. It's $250 a month, and that's it. Okay couple of questions. You mentioned you have shots and stuff for the dog. There are items that come about infrequently, like car insurance or shots for the dog or other types of things like that. Do you have a, any framework for budgeting those or do you kind of need to scramble when those kind of come up on an infrequent basis? Right now, it hasn't really come up. You know, the shots, I haven't had to get her shots this year uh, and I adopted her like a year and a half ago. So that hasn't came up yet. I think I mean, I have a little bit of savings now, so I don't think I would have to scramble, but for bigger stuff, then yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, I think that's just something to think about for your budget here for expenses is you've got got a good handle on what is going out on a monthly basis, but it might be good to build in what we call, are you familiar with the term capital expenditures? Have you ever looked at real estate or anything like that? No. Okay, so this is this is a large infrequent expense. So in a, in a rental property, it would be like replacing the fridge or the roof every couple every 
10, 20, 30 years with those kinds of things. These are the, these are the annual expenses that come up. If you, if you were to kind of like make a, a list of those one-time expenditures that are going to hit, either have hit in the past or will begin hitting in the future, that would be a good thing to think about as part of your budget, because that's going to be a couple hundred dollars a month. That is not really money that you're able to save, but you have to, you have to put it towards those big expenses once a year or so. Maybe fifty to two hundred dollars a month might be there, but that would be one one just kind of thing to think about for the budget here. Um, you mentioned that you're paying one hundred and fifty dollars a month for school. What school are you attending with that? So it's actually two hundred right now for this summer semester, and I'm just doing community college. So is that like a credit hour, or that seems really low? I haven't been in college in decades, but that seems really really inexpensive. Yeah, so they they let you do payment plans. So really, I'm taking two classes, um, but it's divided into three months. So the whole summer semester. So I only have to pay two hundred every month. And are you assuming debt in association with coupled with this, or is this just something you're cash flowing? I don't have any debt right now for school, but once I do move on to like a four year college, then I'm not going to be able to pay out of pocket. Well, I might okay. be able to. I don't know. I mean, I have the 800, but I don't know if I would want to do that. But right now, I I plan on just kind of letting it go um, and paying it after I get my, my graduate degree. Okay, here's my first bit of advice is take every class you can at community college. So if you can get all your general education courses done at this $150 a credit hour or whatever it's costing, as opposed to taking them at your four-year degree, that is, you still get the degree from the four-year school, but you've paid the lower rate at the community college. This is what I did for several of my classes, and uh, it was financially advantageous to do that. Yeah, so that's my plan. Um, I'm doing, I'm just going to finish up the two years. And then after that, I would only have two years at um, the four-year institution. Love it. So you're cash flowing community college here, and then then you might have to take out a little bit of debt. You're not sure yet, but you're, you're going to move on to the um, the four-year school, but only do two years at that to get the undergraduate degree. Right. And and I forgot to add, the reason it's so low is because my mom is helping me with half, um, but that's oh, not okay. going to happen You know, when I go to the four-year. But I also, my mom works for the hospital that is like an extension of the university. So I get half off my tuition there. Um, so it's at only going to be four-year university. at the four-year. So she's oh, kind of helping huge. me in a way. She's yeah, but... still helping. She's absolutely <laughs> yeah. helping great. you. Yeah. She's yeah. giving you, she's paying for 50% of it. Right. And then you pay the other 50%. She just gets it for free mm-hmm. from work and that's okay too. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, and what are you studying? Um, so I'm doing communications, but I don't know exactly what uh, field I'm going into because um, it okay. just opens up to so much. It does. And what is your goal here? Is it is it to become financially independent early? Is it just to do you know make smart decisions with your money in the next couple of years? What what is the what is your what are your your north star here? I feel like it's fluctuated a little bit. Um, when I first started listening to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, it was like okay, like I can be smart with my money. You know, like I don't just have to throw it all away as soon as I get it. Um, and so for a little while, it was just um, uh, like just being smart with it. But now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I don't know if I would ever want to retire early. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. Like, how do I know if I I hate my job, you know, Uh, like everyone else. But um, I don't see myself retiring like probably before 30. I think what I would really want to do is just not really 
struggle with money as I start getting into like bigger debts, like, you know, $18,000 of school or, or moving out and stuff like that. I love it. 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 You don't know that you want to retire early, but if you figure out your finances right now, it kind of doesn't matter what job you get. Oh, everything's all taken care of. I'm already set up for retirement because I made smart decisions when I was 21 years old. And now I can work at a job that I love, but doesn't pay me so much. Or I can work for a little bit and then quit and go re- go travel for a while and then come back. And you... I hear from so many people who say, oh, well, I don't want to quit my job because I love it. Or, oh, I'm t- I'm young. I don't want to think about retirement. I really hope you make it to retirement age. I hope everybody listening makes it to retirement age. And I hope you have a fully funded retirement when you get there. And there's nothing worse. Well, I guess there's lots of things worse than getting to retirement and having no money. So you have to continue working a job that you hate for a boss that is a tyrant or when you're 21, you can think to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to make smarter decisions. What is that? Uh, I I know I've said this a few times. I'm going to just say it again, and then you can go in, Scott. But there was a sto- a study done. If you contribute to monthly to a retirement plan from age 22 to 30, same amount every single month for eight years, and then you never put another dime into that retirement account, or if you start at age 30 and you go to 65 putting in twice as much as you would have from 22 to 30. You will have more money because of the power of compound interest. You'll have more money at age 65 when you did that eight years and never put another dime than when you did it for 35 years and doubled your your investment. So you're 21, you've got eight years of savings for retirement, and then you're going to be golden. Yeah. Okay. I I love it. And And I will will just say like that, you know, one of the, one of the challenges is retirement is, um, three lifetimes away for you at 60, 63, right. Right. So that's, that, that's a long, long way away. It's two lifetimes away for me. So it's not, it's, it's not that, that different, but I think that you, it sounds like you need a shorter term goal, like maybe right after college to begin working towards like, what's, what's the best possible position to be in upon graduation. Maybe that would be a better way to, to frame the financial goal question here. Is that, is that right? I don't, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm searching to figure out what, how can we point ourselves towards a goal so that we can help give you a path to get there? Yeah. So I do have like one other big financial goal, um, which would be to move out. I just don't know if I would want to like right now with this extra money, be saving for a house or move out into an apartment or, you know, what other options I could do, but I do uh, want to move out probably within the next five years. Okay. So you, so would it be fair to say then that the goal is to a, a good goal or a potential goal to start our conversation would be, we want to graduate from with a four-year undergraduate degree with the strongest and most flexible financial position that we can that allows you to live independently outside of the, uh, uh, of the house right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Um, now, what do your parents think about your current living situation? Are they eager for you to get out of the house or do are they fine with you living there while you go to college? They're fine with me living here, but I just, I don't want to live here. You know, I want to, <laughs> I want to be independent. And before I was even going to college, my plan was just to move out. But that's when I started listening to bigger pockets. And I was like, wait, like I can just go to school. Like my parents are fine with me staying here, you know, make more money 
when I get my graduate degree and then move out and not have to stress about money when I do. Well, let's look at rent. What is rent for a one-bedroom apartment in Salt Lake City? Is $800 fair to say? I'd say closer to 1000 Okay, so you only have $800 left after all of your expenses right now. You can't afford to move out. What about a two- or three-bedroom if you split it with roommates? Scott, I'm trying to make a point of staying at home. Well, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, trying I, 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 I'm, I'm supportive of your point. I just, yeah, you said 1300 for a two bedroom? No, like around 14, maybe 15. For a two bedroom? So that, that would bring it only down to 700 a person or 750 versus the 1000. Yeah. So right now, living at home is a really great choice. And I support it 100%. I'm sure your mom loves to hear me say that because she doesn't want her baby leaving. But it's, you know, it's kind of scary for your child to move out. And right now, I think it's a better financial decision for you to continue to live at home. Um, You do have some expenses that you don't have a lot of expenses. I'm not sure about the, like, if you use the gym membership, keep it 20 bucks is amazing. The phone is 40 and the phone bill is 85. I'd love for you to look at some of the lower priced phone companies out there like Mint Mobile or Republic Wireless. You have to make sure they run on different plans or different networks. So make sure that that network works in your location. That's the only downside with some of these companies is that like if you live in a Sprint dead zone, don't get a Sprint dead zone, a Sprint network phone. But there's a lot of different phone systems out there that can be like 10 or $15 a month. So that right there is $100 savings that can go right into your Roth IRA. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking of of moving to Mint because um, I have tried it before. I had like a, a free trial when I bought a phone once um, and it works great in my area. And I recently just switched to Verizon, which is why it's so expensive. But it's because I just I got tired of my of my plan before I was paying $25 for unlimited, which is crazy. But I just I don't know if I can get out of Verizon now because I just moved so soon. I don't know if they have those, mm. like, you know, fees to get out of there. Yep, that's something to consider when moving your plan. But if there is a fee to move and it's exorbitantly expensive, then stay there until the contract ends and then move again to Mint. We haven't talked about debts yet. Yeah, we should go to the balance sheet there. But just to piggyback on Mindy's point, the the fewer of these recurring subscriptions that you have and the lower the subscriptions you have, um, the, the better off you're going to be, obviously, with this. And so that's kind of like at, at the strategic level, just kind of understanding that. And your goal is to move out and have the strongest financial position or the goal that I just stated for you. You can you can change that and tw- tweak it if you like, but is uh, within the next five years, it sounds like. Um, do, you, do you think that will happen by the end of five years you'll graduate or what year do you think you would finish up the degree? I'm thinking I might finish when I'm 24. I don't want to go to a school full time just because then I would have to work part-time and I feel like that's that wouldn't really be too helpful even though I would finish faster I just feel like I could save more during that time so you think you can graduate and work within three years end of 2023 yeah okay great Let's go through your balance sheet next. So that was your income statement. That's your 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 income minus expenses. What's your how, what what do you have in savings, investments, and debts? Okay, so for debts, I actually in the application when I applied, I had more than I do now, which is awesome. I paid off all of my credit cards, so I don't have a credit card bill anymore. Right now, and that was like three biggest, grand, right? 
Uh, yeah, it was around three grand. Uh, I just had it in my savings, so I was like, I might as well put it there. I don't want to be paying for the interest. So um, that obviously left my savings really low, though. But that's I pretty much only have debt on my phone, um, which is like eight hundred dollars. It's like not that much. But I paid off my car too. That was like nineteen hundred dollars, and this was all like within the last month. And then I'm also counting on the on the debt that I'm going to have next year when I move to the four year institution. But I don't have the eighteen thousand yet. But that's something just coming up. Great. And what was your what was your savings previously, and what is it now before making these moves? So my savings was, I had like 2000 and then I think I got like one of the stimulus checks and I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to use to pay off my car. So I used it and some of my savings to pay off my car. Then I just, I felt like it felt kind of good to pay it off. So then I just used the rest of my savings to pay off the other credit card. Um, and that left me with um, $500 in my savings. So you have $500 in savings and how much do you have in investments? Investments, also 500 so you have $1,000 net worth and no debt. Pretty much, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think if you come on and you'd asked us what we would have done with the savings, we would have done exact something. We would have told you probably to do something exactly like what you did um, and get those things knocked out. Yes. When you have, uh, so when you apply, you fill out the form and you give all the numbers. And I was looking at that because I have that information, I'm going to share that. You had roughly $3,500 in credit card balances at 13.9% interest. So that's above Scott's threshold of what, 5% or 6% that he yeah. says, pay that off immediately or pay it off as soon as you can. You, you mentioned that you had more in savings and then now it's pretty low, but that's a safe move for you because you live at home. Is your mom going to let you starve? Probably not. She sounds like a mom that that isn't going to do that. If she's going to let you stay at home, she's going to feed you too, right? If you needed gas money to get to school, I bet she'd loan it to you. So it sounds like that that was a safe move and a very smart move because now you are 21 years old and you have no debt. That's fantastic. You said that you used to have a spending problem. Reining that in is enormous. That is so easy to let that get out of hand. So you're doing a lot of really, really great things. You're not spending more than you make. You're starting to invest in your Roth IRA. You're, you are, understand the concept of having a savings account. That's all fantastic. I have a couple of questions. How do you handle your money when you get a paycheck? Do you pay your bills first and then just save whatever else is left over? Or do you put money into savings and then pay your bills with what's left? So as soon as I get it, I just split it to where it has to go. So some of it does like stay in my checkings just for the bills. And then what I'm going to save, I like put it in right away. And what I want to invest, I'll put it in right away. But then I also give myself like 150 just to spend because then I feel like I would go crazy. So 150, so I guess 300 every month because I give myself 150 every paycheck. And that also just stays in my checking. Okay. I don't think that's obnoxious given your age and your income is there any opportunity for overtime at work and does it pay extra like time and a half or something? Yeah. So, um, they have Saturdays open for six hours so I could do the full six hours and they do pay the time and a half. Ooh, I would snap up every minute that you could do of that as long as it doesn't affect your school and as long as it doesn't affect like your sleep and personal life <laughs> and personal okay. life. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And your personal life. But right now is the time to take that money and then just 
I would even split that up or, you know what, frankly, I would throw that into a Roth IRA because you can only contribute to a Roth IRA when you are earning income. So take all your Saturday money and throw it at your Roth. And how cool would that be if you could max that out this year? Well, let's think about, I want to zoom back out here and say, we're backing into a three-year goal. At the end of three years, it's the strongest, most flexible position we possibly can get into from a standing start of zero, right? $1,000 in net worth, no debt, which is a great great position to start out in, right? What does that look like in a general sense? To me, you know, a perfect world, a perfect world would be something where you've got a really solid emergency reserve, you know, $10,000, $15,000, something that would last you six months to a year independently with a thousand paying a thousand dollars or seven hundred and fifty dollars a month in rent or mortgage from there. It looks like having some money in Roth IRAs or other investments to a certain extent. It maybe looks like having a house hack. Are you familiar with that term? Yeah. Yeah. So it may it maybe looks like that. I think it looks like having finished your degree and getting a good job, something in the probably fifty, sixty range. Is that kind of what you're targeting after you graduate? Yeah, around there. Yeah. And then it maybe looks like having no student loan debt, right? Am I painting a good picture here? Is that, does that sound like a good goal to back into? Uh, yeah. So the question is, can we have it all or do we have to make trade-offs in there, right? Like it would be great for you to maximize your Roth IRA and save $20,000 in your bank account this year so that you have that fully funded emergency reserve before you even enter the, the, the college. That completely cash flows your university or your full-time school schooling there without even having to work. Maybe you can work on top of that to cash flow without any debt. However, is that is that realistic? I don't know, given your current income and expenses with that. So those are the kinds of questions. And then from there, do we put that money into the Roth? Do we put some into the Roth? Do we put some into savings? That's where I'm trying to get to trying to back into. Do you agree with that position in three years? Is that is that kind of generally speaking what you're kind of thinking you want in a couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm looking to do. And you pretty much hit all the points that I wanted to ask about. Like, I don't know if I could, in in a sense, have it all, like by the time, like I've set for myself. And um, I just don't know, like, there's so many different pools that I could put my money into. And I just don't know, like, what is the best one right now? Great. Well, well, in general, there are four financial levers. You can earn more, you can spend less, you can invest your capital, and you can create assets. Right. And right now you're working full time and you're getting a degree and that's going to. And so you're doing all the right moves, in my opinion, to increase your earnings potential over the next couple of years at the highest level in a pretty smart way. You're spending less. It sounds like that was a recently as recently a very big problem for you. But you've got you've you've kind of figured that out and gotten that under control and know what you need to do from the expenses standpoint. You have low expenses because you live at home with that. So that leaves us with the investment and creation of assets. Unless you feel like there's leverage on the earning income side that we need to discuss still. No, I don't think so. What do you think, Mindy? Is it is it on the investing and creating assets side that you think is the, the opportunity here as well? I see the opportunity in the investing and creating, but I also see that Saturday time and a half opportunity, and I would encourage him to take that as well. I would also look at, I'm not sure which warehouse you work in, but is that the best paying warehouse in the area or is that the warehouse that has the best opportunity for um, time and a half and overtime and things like that? Because there's, I mean, when you're young, like when you're 21, you've got boundless energy and you can go and work 
way more than I want to at my not 21 age and really rack up the, the overtime. I mean, that just compounds, but yeah, I think that investment is going to be really important, a really important part of what you're doing. I did a quick search on Google. What does a communications major salary? What are some salaries? And the range is huge. Of course, it's always huge. It's 31,000 to 110,000. So something you can do right now because you have more time than money is look into the communications jobs that pay 110,000. Look for, you know, what locations are those paying in Salt Lake City or would you have to move to Denver or would you have to move to, you know, maybe Reno's better or Las Vegas or someplace near but not not Salt Lake City or are there jobs in Salt Lake City that you want to do that pay closer to the top range cuz I mean, you could probably get a $31,000 communications job pretty easily, but is that something you're going to want? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing, though. I would definitely look for something higher. I mean, I'm already making $31,000. It wouldn't make sense to to look for something like that. And I also, I wouldn't mind moving. Um, I think it would be like, you know, kind of cool, um, move around and potentially get paid a lot more. Okay. When you're thinking about moving, which I think is a valid, I mean, there's planes everywhere. We're coming out of COVID. So uh, flights are more plentiful and it's not that far to get home and visit your parents. I know your parents are going to be super excited about you, you know, moving away for really far away, but you can always come back and visit. Um, And and I'm excited that you are saying that you might want to move because I just looked up the price of a small home in Salt Lake City and that's 350 to 450. Uh, 350,000 to 450,000. There are less expensive cities nearby. There's lots of less expensive cities. And a communications major, it seems to me, would be online a lot where you can work from anywhere as opposed to having to be in the house. Like you can't do a warehouse job from home, but you can do a communications job from home. Mm -hmm. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. 
head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. I'm jumping around here a little bit. When do you plan on attending university full-time? What year? Um, so it's going to be maybe tw- 2022 in the spring. Okay, That's so we have, one, we have one year before you're going to attend university. And so... I think the question here is how do we maximize this year while you're working full-time and taking part-time at the community college the most in the short run here? And let me ask you this. What do you think you could accumulate with a good year of, of grind and, and, and hard work here? How much, like, do you think you could accumulate $10,000? Do you think you could accumulate fifteen? What does that look like? I think I've looked or done the math, like if I saved around 800 a month, it would be maybe like around 10,000, uh, depending on how much of that I save. So I think around 10,000 would be like the best bet. Okay. So we have $10,000. What is the optimal use of that $10,000? What do you think it is? I'm not sure. I-, I just feel like I would want some of that just to have in my savings. You know, like uh, you guys always talk about the emergency funds. Um, my car is not that old, but it's it's making some sounds. So, you know, I'd want to be prepared in case anything happens there. Um, but then I'm not sure if it'd be good to like use, like, let's say I save half to use like the rest of it towards college, have less debt or put it in the Roth and just like let it grow. And then, you know, have $18,000 of debt when I come out of, of college. How much is college going to cost you per year? It's 18000 total. So I guess 9000 for the two years I'm going to be there. Okay, so $9,000 is 
$700 a month. Can you generate $700 a month in income and sustain your life? Can, can you generate $1,500 a month in income while going to school? Or can you, how much could you think you can generate while going to school? Like aside from what I'm already making? Well, you're not going to be able to work full-time and go to school full-time, I imagine. Is that right? Yeah. That, that's another thing I'm not sure of, though. I don't know if I want to do school full-time and just finish or keep working the full-time and, and go to school part-time. Okay. So that would say that, so we have, a, we have an option here of going to school, working part-time and going to school full-time, which would be tough, but you would finish in two years, or you can go to school part-time and work full-time while you're going to school part-time, right? And that would take you three years, four years? Yeah, probably like around, I do summer semester, so around three. Okay, so it take so that that's the trade off, and both would take eighteen thousand dollars in in to, in cost to achieve. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so I think you have a question. There is is this year like a good a, a maybe potential moving target would be to say, hey, if if it's going to cost me eighteen thousand to go to school, can I bring that cost down so that I'm only accumulating instead of eighteen thousand dollars in debt, six thousand dollars in debt, or no debt? across that time because I'm making money while I am attending school to some degree that is sustainable. We can't work 80 hours a week every week for four years, unless you're an investment banker, I guess. But that's not that's that's a tough lifestyle, I think, for the next couple of years um, with that. So what, what do you think? Like, what, what's your what do your instincts tell you is the right the right move between those two options? Right now, I'm thinking of doing school part time just because I I have the potential to earn more right now. Uh, and I'm also, uh, able to get raises here. Nothing like too big, but maybe like a thousand every year. But I've asked my supervisor, you know, like that's not capped. So it's a raise either way, but I just don't know if, if that's the smartest thing, but for me, that's what it, it sounds like. I think that's a very reasonable way to go about it. I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer here. There's only just, there's, there's just trade-offs with it, but I think, the goal I would, I would, or the challenge I would pose to you would be if you're going to go to school part time, how do you keep all of the $10,000 you're going to save this year? And I like it. Pad your emergency reserve, maybe up to 5,000 or so, put another five, the, the, the remaining chunk into the Roth IRA and begin starting some of that investment. And then put yourself in a position where you're actually cash flowing college to the best of your ability with there or dwindling your emergency reserve slowly over the course of that year and maybe taking on only a few thousand dollars in debt if if feasible there. Um, but if you can graduate in three years with no debt and maybe even sustaining a few payments to the emergency reserve or, or uh, the, the Roth IRA during that period, that would be a really strong position to graduate in. Have you looked into any other ways to help pay for college, like scholarships or grants or things like that? Oh, great idea. Yeah. Um, so doing communications, I can do like a lot of journalism stuff, which I don't know if I like it, but that means I could join the school paper. And I was looking at, you know, the, the school paper website at the university, and apparently you can get um, a scholarship. So I don't know how much it was, but, you know, any money is, is good to pay it off. Um, Any money it's... is good to pay it off. Well, that's another one. And this is a big mistake I made to my shame um, is I should have done a lot more searching for scholarship applications. So right now at 31000 a year, you're making about 15 bucks an hour. But if you can do scholarship applications, maybe even instead of or in addition to that overtime Mindy suggested on Saturdays, 
um, that might be much higher dollar per hour activity. What if you can get 5,000 in scholarships by looking at some of those sites? And we have a, an episode on this. Um, do you remember which episode it was, Mindy, with the scholarships? That was episode 64 with Zach Gautier. And he goes through a bunch of different ways to pay. It's not just scholarships and grants. It's also, you know, if you work for Home Depot, they have a tuition reimbursement or tuition assistance program. I think Starbucks does too. Were either of your parents in the military, they can pass on any unused military education endowment dollars to you as well. There's a lot of different uh, options there that Zach shares, and that's episode 64. So I'll send you a link to that episode when we're finished recording. But that's a great episode. We should have him back in, actually, to um, give us more information. Uh, Has anything changed? But yeah, that's uh, the, oh man, I wish I could remember who it was. They said, I went into my school's uh, admissions office and spoke to somebody about scholarships there, and there are scholarships that are available through the school that may or may not be um, really well-known. And every year, what, tens of millions of dollars in scholarships goes unclaimed simply because nobody applies for that scholarship. So uh, start looking, talk to high schools, go to your high school guidance counselor and ask for information about scholarships available. They should have a ton of stuff because that's where these scholarships are going, they're, they're talking to the high schools and saying, hey, this is a scholarship that's available, you know, help your people apply for it. Yeah, um, I actually remember that episode. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I, I didn't think of that right now, but that's, I guess that's a good way to just, you know, apply for a scholarship that's not an, or too well known, uh, you know, potentially get it. Yeah, think, think about this too. If you, if you can accumulate 10 grand over the next year, roughly, roughly, and then begin attending school part-time. And if you can, it, that means that if you can cash flow school, you would be able to accumulate $18,000 outside of that. So instead of graduating with $10,000 net worth, now you're graduating with $28,000 in net worth. And that's an even stronger position. And every scholarship you get knocks that amount down to a certain degree um, that I think would be really beneficial for you. Yeah. How aggressive would you be willing to get here? Would you be willing to like like um would you be willing to consider grinding way overtime or whatever to build up twenty thousand dollars this next year if you can, and then using that to house hack, for example, during college um and potentially starting to build wealth like that? I'm not sure because sometimes i I have an easy semester, you know i I feel like, oh my gosh, like I have so much time like I could be doing other stuff. Um, that's like, for example, when I would do Uber or something, cause, uh, you know, why not just make more money for the overtime? I think I would be down to do some, I just don't know how much. Um, cause again, it depends like on how heavy the school load is, but I, I didn't think to do the overtime to fund the, the Roth IRA. So I think if I was able to, you know, put that all into the Roth IRA until it maxes out, then I feel like that would be more motivational for me. Cause then I have a reason to do overtime. It's not just, Oh, you know, it's extra money. Yeah, I, I like that. I think I think like an emergency reserve of about five grand is probably about six months of emergency of reserve for you in your current life right now. When you graduate, you're going to need more because you're going to have more. Your expenses are going to go up because you're going to start paying rent and a couple of other things with that. But I think that that's a good you know that would be a good way to think about it is get the emergency reserve to five and pile everything else into the Roth after that until you max it. That would be a great goal for this year. But I'm I'm trying to get at what if we get to a houses in Salt Lake City. Mindy looked this up. 
seem to cost around three hundred and fifty to four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Is that about right for you? Is that in the, in the yeah. ballpark? Mm-hmm. You know what? What does a four bed, two bath, or three bath home that's pretty nice, where you can maybe get a couple of roommates, look like near nearby where you'd go to college? And would that be a potential rent by the room solution after that? Would that be something that you're interested in? Um, I, I thought of doing something like that, but um, the problem is uh, my dog, you know, I can't move into an apartment. It would have to be like an actual house. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I haven't looked into house rentals. I, I just feel like it sounds a little harder. I don't know if that's the case, but, you know, an apartment, it just sounds a lot easier. But to get a house with uh, with some roommates, I don't know if um, it would be like as easy to do. It's just getting an apartment, but I, I would consider it. Um, but I, I don't think I would leave my dog behind. That would be, that would be an aggressive move. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is there's a concept called house hacking, which you probably heard about at this point. But if, yeah. if you, let's say it's a $400,000 house, if you could put down 5%, which would be $20,000 and for example, convince or discuss or work together with your parents to help them co-sign on the loan and you could responsibly manage it. Let's say that that loan uh, is 2,400 a month. If you could get three, four, you know, three roommates in there, each paying $800 or something like that, that covers your mortgage. Um, you're still going to have expenses like maintenance. Maybe, maybe this wouldn't work in this example, but if you could get it for 300, for example, um, at a place that required a little bit of fixing up, um, now your mortgage might cost you, let's call it 1800 mortgage calculator. Yeah, I, I'm doing I'm doing some bad math here. But if you could get three roommates, for example, and they're paying twenty four hundred, and your mortgage is eighteen hundred, now you're actually cash flowing a, a little bit, and you're able to move out a little sooner, and you're able to start building wealth and paying down that 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 home. And when you move out, you'd have a fourth person come in. Now you'd be getting thirty two hundred dollars in rent across those, and something that you were reasonably comfortable with. So that would be a really aggressive. Um, you know, move, but something that could be potentially beneficial for you um, as you go into to school full or part time, and a, and an interesting way to begin building wealth um, and creating assets. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't really. I mean, I thought about the idea of it, but I haven't really thought of me doing that. Um, it sounds, it does sound like aggressive. It sounds um, interesting, and and I would consider it, but. Um, I don't know. Like, I, it's just not right, something right that now. It's about. impossible because you have a thousand dollars. But if you if, yeah. if a, a year or two go by and you have twenty thousand or twenty five thousand, because a couple, you know, you're you're able to beat that eight hundred dollars a month savings rate, and you know, maybe you get a couple of raises or you you're able to cut back on some of these subscriptions and, and so on, and that goes from eight hundred a month to fifteen hundred a month over the next two years. That would be something that would be really. That would, that would begin to become much more realistic as you stockpile more cash and might be a, a, a shorter term goal to begin thinking about moving towards. Scott, let's jumpstart his short term thinking about this by sending him a copy of the House Hacking book by Craig Curlop and a mm-hmm. copy of the First Time Homebuyer book so that while he's buying his house hack, he can make a smart choice. Uh, First Time Homebuyer, of course, is per, is written by Scott and I. Um, but those will both, both of those books will give you an idea of the possibilities that can open up if you just think outside the box a little bit. Um, you could still live for free, just like you're doing now while having roommates and the freedom that you're looking for. Um, and maybe that happens in your senior year. Maybe that happens after you graduate and you get a job. But when, Mm -hmm. when you are 
removing the entire expense of your housing, it's so freeing in your budget. Then you can maybe just knock out all that extra college debt really quickly because instead of paying a you know, $1,200 rent payment, you're paying $0 to, towards your mortgage because your roommates are paying it. And now that $1,200 can go towards your student loan debt. So there's a lot of ways to get creative about financing your life, but you just have to think about it. You have to be aware of them. So I'm really excited for that. I'm excited for your your future. I think there's a whole lot of wide open spaces that are going to, you're just going to crush it. Yeah. Thanks. You're asking all the right questions and you just need to let a couple of months go by and let that cash blossom, right? You just hit, you just hit this inflection point of getting back to zero in terms of debt and all that kind of stuff. And now it's all uphill and it never, you know, it should escalate forever if you're able to to do it right and to l- limit the amount of debt you accumulate from here on out and move towards it. And it's just about first getting the fundamental of the cash flow coming in and then thinking about how to intelligently stockpile asset after asset into your equation um, over over the, the long term. So if call it the 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 best case at your current run rate without doing anything special is probably graduating debt free with ten, fifteen thousand dollars or so in net worth. But I think there's a lot of creativity and options available to you or hustle or grind or, or different types of things that if you really keep thinking about it, you might be able to beat that number substantially by the time you graduate, um, from in three years, um, with a little bit of luck and a couple, a little bit of experimentation and thinking about some creative things like a house hack, like different side hustle ideas, like scholarships, those kinds of things. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even think of, of using the house hack to, to cash flow for college. I think that would be, that would be awesome if I could do that. Um, but I think right now it's just the, the cash accumulation stage. Um, yeah, you have no cash to think about. Yeah. It's totally unrealistic. It seems to me, like it may be totally unrealistic to buy a house when you have a thousand dollars, but if you can think three, if you can back into your strategy three years from now, that's when you can begin really thinking, okay, I'm not saving up so that I can stockpile my, for my Roth for 50 years from now. That's I am doing that a little bit. I'm stockpiling because in three years, I'm going to be sitting pretty in a house hack or an Airbnb that totally cash flows my living situation um, and is actively contributing to my wealth in a way that's almost comparable to my total earned income right now. That would be a really powerful thought to begin marching towards if possible. Yeah, that is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I am so excited for what the future holds for you. I am going to give you one bit of motherly advice uh, because I'm like that. I can't just keep my opinions to myself. But when you do get your first job, start off right away with the 401k. As soon as you can contribute to your 401ks, um, I would look into the Roth option if they have one. We just had Kyle Mast on episode 200 talking about the difference between a Roth option and a traditional option. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back and listen to that one as well. There's a lot of really great bits of information from Kyle, who is a CFP and is really, really helpful explaining the benefits of the Roth. Um, if the Roth is an opt is not available, still contribute to the traditional uh, 401k. And when you like when you get your first paycheck and it's three thousand dollars, and you're like, oh, okay, I make three thousand dollars. Then when you start contributing to the 401k, it's kind of like, ooh, now I only make 2,600. As opposed to if you start off with 2,600, you never miss that 400 that you didn't have to begin Mm -hmm. with. So that's my last bit of uh, lecturely advice. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. What, what do you have any questions for us before we wrap up that, that maybe, you know, things you're wondering that we haven't answered or touched on yet? Um, yeah. So just one, it's kind of about getting a house or even a house hack uh, later on. If I'm putting all this money into a Roth IRA, I know like within, I think like five years, you can take out the initial investment. Would that be something that would be like a good idea to do to put towards a house hack or not something you guys would recommend? That's what I did. Um, I, I, I forwent my Roth IRA and I pulled some out of it in order to buy my first house hack because the math is so compelling, right? I put down $12,000 on a $240,000 property and then the rent covers the mortgage. You have a lot of appreciation potential. You can work on the property. You can, you're paying down the mortgage. I think I, I did the math and it was like a 200 or 300% ROI, which it just way, blows away whatever I could get in the Roth. I think there's yeah. very few opportunities like that that are that strong besides maybe starting a business or a house hack. Um, there's probably a few more out there that if you're creative, but really most alternatives, I think the Roth is really a, a, a superior alternative to, um, but, but there are a few exceptions where I think that there's a good, a good reason to, to forego the Roth because for opportunity cost and those types of things and house hacking can be one of them, but there's a lot of research you need to do between now and then. And you, you'll, I think you'll definitely need at least about 20, 25,000 at minimum in liquidity to kind of safely enter in there. Yeah. And one of the things that you need to weigh, like Scott said, is the earning potential of your Roth balance. When you pull it out, that's no longer available. It's not like a 401k loan where you can borrow the money and then put it back. Once you pull it out from the Roth, you're not paying taxes on it because you've already paid taxes. You're not being penalized for it if you're using it for specific purposes, but you also can't re- contribute that same amount down the road. So I would just weigh my options. If it's a smoking hot deal on a property and you need funding right away, that might be a good option. Um, but if it is just a mediocre property, a mediocre deal, I would maybe look at other ways to fund that or just aggressively save for a while. Um, but I think that's, that's, I, I just, I love that you're thinking about that. I mean, so many people your age don't even think about that uh, that option. And that's, you're, you're on the right path. Yeah. Right. I, I, lo I love, I love it. I think, I think that's the, that's the key is you, you're, you have a formulaic approach to graduating debt-free from college with a few thousand dollars. That's great. But I would just challenge you, Hey, you've got an opportunity here over the next three, four years where you're, you're able to live at home and get your degree part-time with those types of things. How can you kind of think a little bigger and pop out and be, Hey, what are some ways to really maybe create or acquire or build some real assets here that will give me some, some freedom. Is that an option or can I do that right after I graduate? How to put myself in those position to go a little, just a little bigger, not, not crazy taking on a ton of risk, but, but, um, maybe thinking, you know, starting to think about some of those types of things. And so maybe a good next step also would be to just really start reading and learning about, um, some of these real estate or entrepreneurial type kind of ideas. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. All right, man. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. And I think that people are going to get a lot out of it. I think uh, I can hear parents saying to themselves, oh, I have to listen to this with my 16, 17, 18 year old son, daughter, child. Mm -hmm. 
girls can listen yeah, to well, this too. Thank you guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show and thank you for applying. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, that was Anthony. Scott, tell me how excited you are for Anthony's journey. I think it's great. I think, I think Anthony is, is, uh, he just, you know, he's, he's really, it sounds like recently gotten a hold of the, the, the basics of personal finance. I love that he had a little bit of debt, not too much, knocked it out before he even came on the show. Um, and then began asking us questions about like, what the heck do I do next with all this stuff? Which I think what a shame that, 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 what next question is not answered in, in a high school, um, or, or college finance setting. Um, with, with a lot of that stuff, because like, what is it? Money is not the most important thing in life, but it is a one very important thing in life. And it seems like one that could be, I don't know, discussed more with this. And I just love the fact that he's going out and finding out the answers for himself with this kind of stuff. Um, wish more people would do that. He is definitely asking all the right questions. Um, and like I said, in the beginning of the show, we're going to check back in with him in about a year to see all the amazing things that he's accomplished. Uh, as I say in the beginning of the podcast, we are here to do, introduce you to every money story. And if you have not heard yours yet, we would love to hear from you. We would love to share your story with our listeners so that they can learn from your experience as well. You can apply to be on the show at biggerpockets.com slash finance review, and we would love to have you. Scott? Should we get out of here today? Let's do it. From episode 202 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Indy Jensen saying, peace out, Rainbow Trout. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.